Gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea. Just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here. And that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life. And heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try. The diamond dogs are here. Hello and welcome back to episode six of the Diamond Dogs podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jason Barnaby, here with my fabulous co-host, Beth Rashley. Hey, and we are talking today about episode six, also known as The Signal, which we will get into here in this recap. So Roy Kent, if you remember, has joined the coaching staff for AFC Richmond. They're on a hot streak. Uh, Coach Beard is back with Jane, much to the chagrin of some folks in this episode, which we'll see. Higgins specifically. Um, he's advised by Ted and Nate not to tell. And, uh, so there's a whole story that plays out with that. Jamie's upset that Roy refuses to give him coaching advice. He's trying really hard and, uh, some hilarity ensues on how he gets him to do that. Roy eventually relents and just tells Jamie he needs to occasionally bring forth his brass brash, easy for me to say, an aggressive personality on the pitch. I think the uh, exact phrasing he uses is that you are a prick, which is pretty hilarious because it's yeah. right in line with good old Roy Kent. And um, Rebecca Singman from another dating site while continuing to flirt with her mysterious banter match, uh, match gets a visit from her mother who's just left her father, which is another ongoing thing that we'll find out about. And then while in a very close game, all four coaches give Jamie the signal. I'm not going to spoil what the signal is. You got to watch it uh, to play selfishly. And then uh, Ted has a panic attack and leaves the pitch with the, with the team not doing great. And like where the hell's coach going, Uh, the other team scores. And then Nate steps up into his power spits again, by the way, before he does the thing. That's right. Yeah. He spits again and uh, calls a play and they wind up, uh, they wind up winning the match and uh, there's some stuff that we'll unpack about good old Nate there. And then when Dr. Sharon goes to her office, she finds that Ted is uh, waiting there and says, I need to make an appointment. So we're yeah. finally on, on the precipice of, of that whole thing coming to a head. Yeah. I love that part that he ends up in her office. Yeah. Oh not my goodness. Not doing well. Not yeah, doing well. Having a hard time. Mm-mm having a real hard time with those panic attacks. So, so let's dig in. Where should we start friend? So, you know, I really, I, I, I think this season I continue to go back to Nate because I, I, I just see so much of myself in Nate. And I think if we're honest as leaders, we all do. It's kind of embarrassing a little bit that we see that I see myself that way, but you really start to see Nate in Roy's shadow and oh, for sure. what, you know, like the Roy Kent effect. And, you know, they talk about that and um, just, you know, Nate trying to find his footing Nate trying to figure out who he really is with this whole thing, the whole time of like really wanting to be famous and, you know, wanting people to, if we go back to a previous thing, what Roy Kent said about, you know, people, tweet about me with gifs and everything like i think that's really what i think that's really what what uh, nate wants so he does like he he does like and kudos to him he he does like take charge the, the coaches are in disarray he does step up and he does the thing and they win the game and that's fantastic the unfortunate piece is that and i i man i have seen this with a lot of leaders and i imagine you have too beth the the notoriety and recognition goes to the head pretty yeah. fast, yep. right? And it's like, yeah. give me all the accolades, give me all the things. And um, so we'll I just see more think, of that next episode. For sure. Yes, we will. So he does have his moment in front of the press and says something, uh, which also comes up in a later episode. Instead of saying, uh, I think it's a German word, right? The the wounded wounded kind. Uh, is what I think it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He says wonder kid. And the, the, <laughs> the reporter tries to correct him. And Nate's like, can we just edit that out later? And the guy's like, no, we're live. We're live. Like, yeah. oh. <laughs> and, you know, here, here's something also that's interesting is that, you know, 
<laughs> it's on it's recorded that this is what he says and yet going forward he denies that that's what he says yeah. like reality is here mm-hmm. and here's what you're saying is reality and um so leaders you gotta be aware um you gotta be aware of yourself you gotta be aware of feedback i mean that the recording doesn't lie and yet nate is still in denial and i just see um i see denial in a lot of leaders who just are not willing to listen they want feedback but then when they get it they're like oh well, i'm not like that it's like well if your people are telling you that you are yeah. then then guess what you are yeah so i just i i think <laughs> nate um as much as i love to see him growing and becoming a leader he's there's a lot that he's missing and I would also say from the coaching staff, there were probably several missed opportunities for the coaching staff to help him in that, like, hey, here's what you can expect. Here's what happens when you're like in the press. Here's what you need to talking through those things and, and having an open dialogue. Because what we do see with Nate is he is creating this whole scenario in his head. And it really starts to go off the rails as the season continues. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think your point too is super valid about so much of the storyline with Nate, Ted is just absent from, and I think he's the one who could be correcting this and be effective at it. The relationship is there. The um, skill set that Ted has of giving feedback and having really effective feedback conversations, I think man, we just, there's so many missed opportunities for some things to get nipped in the bud and it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't consistently does not happen. And again, that's just a good reminder to all of us as leaders that if, if you think these types of problems are going to go away, you are incorrect. (laughs) They are going to compound. They're going to get worse. The longer you don't address them, the bigger mess you're going to have. Yeah. And, um, you, you just have to get in there and have those conversations. So important. And I think while we're talking about that, tied to this same, tied to this same scenario and all this that's that's running, you know, Roy tells him what he needs to do. Um, what does he say? I think we have his um Yeah. (laughs) Because Jamie, deep down at your core, you're a prick. So just be a prick. (laughs) That's what he tells. It's great advice. And you know what I what I really love about this piece. Roy was the captain of the team. He's obviously a leader. Um, he did some work with with Isaac, right, and and got things going the way that they needed to. I love when you look at this scene. Jamie is like, "Well, hallelujah, I can be who I'm, who I'm supposed to be. Like, I can just like I've always known that I am that. I mean, you kind of see this revelation in him and this freedom, this excitement, almost of like." Almost like almost, I would say almost a relief of like, oh, I get to be who I'm supposed to be. And I I had an encounter like that in in business once where a boss told me, like, I don't want you to be all these other things. Like, we'll build a team around you to do that. I want you to be this. And I'll tell you, I'm even sitting here right now, I can remember exactly how I felt. I felt so much relief and and no shame of like missing the mark on these things that I wasn't good at. And man. I mean, this is a pretty crass and straight up way to, you know, to coach somebody and tell them that. Well, it's Roy. It's authentically Roy. That's that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. What I also love about Roy in this whole thing is, you know, Roy in this game, the coaching thing that he did for, for Jamie, they score a goal, right? So everybody's all excited. It's like, oh, Roy can't, Roy can't, you know, and that's where you see Nate kind of you know, fall back in the shadow and they're talking about the Roy Kent effect. And then they win because of what Nate does. And Rebecca comes into the locker room and congratulates Roy. And she says, um, it's nice to see the Roy Kent effect is alive and well, right? Which yes, he was responsible for goal number one, right? Roy doesn't say anything about that. Yeah. Which I love. He's like, cause he says, he goes, Oh, he goes, that has nothing to do with me. That's all Nate. Yeah. So there's not like, there's not a brooding of like, why didn't you, you know, uh, or not, a, not a brood. There's, there's not this like, well, of course, of course I got us at least in the game. 
it it's all to Nate, which and I think he recognizes that Nate is the younger, more inexperienced leader. He gives him that recognition. Um, now, whether Rebecca went and said something to Nate, we don't know because that's not in the show, but that would have been a great opportunity there. Um, probably would have helped Nate some in his journey as he's becoming a leader. But I just love the humility there. I think yeah, it's, I love I think it's too. great. Yeah. And then, you know, he also goes the extra step to like, Roy says, nice job to Nate. Right. And Nate is so like caught up on Twitter. Like he is deep into like, what is the Twitter universe saying about me? And it's all super positive. And you can see that that's like fueling him in some way. He doesn't even say it back. Like, (laughs) like there's just, there's no acknowledgement of that at all, uh, which is so unfortunate. I mean, it's just, we're really starting to see this thing spiral and it's going to get way, way worse next, next episode, spoiler alert. But yeah, it's just, it's such an unfortunate. And I like, I also like at the same time, I like these two leadership journeys happening at the same time. Yes. I think it's a really, um, excellent example of how this can go and Roy is really thriving. Yes. And Nate is not. Um, and, and I, and what's interesting too, is Roy, I think when we boil it down, Roy is pretty, I mean, he's got his moments where he's not confident or whatever, or, or, you know, questions himself, but I think at his core, Roy knows who he is and what he's about. And because of that, he can step into that role and who he is with confidence what I call humble confidence, right? He he steps in and says, this is who I am, but it's not like a beat my chest and get out of my way. Yeah. It's like, let me do my job kind of thing. And I I, I totally agree with you. Um, I love that how these are happen- happening simultaneously, but you just see what happens when you don't have the confidence in yourself, when you are looking for the recognition in the wrong places on the Twitterverse and other, you know, in the socials, because as much good as you're going to find there, you will find as much bad, if not more, and Nate is just missing it. And I, I just think leaders is with your new leaders, you've got, got to remember that the things that we take for granted, because we have done it for so many years, this, this is new information to new leaders. Yeah. So where you may think like, oh, everybody knows that. Guess what? They don't. Yeah. And I think uh, one of they the, just don't. one of the weird leadership mistakes that I see over and over again is I think so many leaders are so scared of micromanaging that they don't manage at all. <laughs> yes. Like they undermanage mm-hmm. severely because they're trying to not micromanage. It is not micromanaging to provide information and support that people need. That's managing. Oh, That's leading. Yes. yes. Don't be afraid to do that. And don't be afraid to say, is this helpful? Is this too much? Is this too little? You know, like let your people help you adjust that as needed, but it is just as dangerous, if not more so to yeah. undermanage than it is to micro. Yeah. If we were in church, I'd be playing the organ and yell and preach. Yeah. It's, it's just <laughs> so good. Yeah, It's one of my soapboxes I get on a lot because it just, I feel like so many people do that. So you just go so far away from it that it's like, it's, it's just not helpful either. It's incredibly harmful. Um, okay, let's talk about some of the stuff that goes down with Rebecca because I think this is interesting. We really get some interesting insights into Rebecca. And my favorite and we line most certainly this do. whole episode, I laughed so hard. So we see Rebecca's mom comes to her house. She's left her dad, whatever. They make plans to go to lunch. Practice is going on. Rebecca's in her office and she yells down to Ted on the field. You know, let's go. I want you to go to lunch with my mom. Ted goes, Ted goes, I love meeting people's moms. It's like reading an instruction manual for why they're nuts. (laughs) It made me laugh so hard because it's so true. You get so many insights from meeting somebody's parents, not just moms for the record as a mom. Right. But it really is true. Oh my gosh. You get so many insights. So she's just really struggling this episode with her mom. And, and we find out there's this history of, you know, her mom has left her dad for, for cheating multiple times. And she always ends up going back. So Rebecca doesn't have a lot of faith that this time is going to be different. And Ted and Keely really like lean on her to like, you know, maybe this time is different. And she does kind of start believe it, believing it. And then unfortunately her mom goes back again. 
And you can just see the effect that that has on her. I think that was a really interesting storyline because I, you know, is there value in hoping that people can change you bet, but like sometimes they're not gonna, and Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not something we have control over. Which is in tandem with the, the struggle that Higgins is having with Beard and Jane, right? Like there's so many snippets in this episode around, should I say it or should I not? And, you know, some of the quotes Higgins says, I have to say something because it's funny because he's got this noise that it's like comes up inside of him, which I just think is hilarious because your body, like, you know, the, the, the book, your body keeps the score, like it's in him. So he's like, you know, and she's like, your noise is back again, (laughs) which I love that they know each other so well. She's like, not even phased. She's (laughs) just like, your noise is back again. What's going on? And so he's like, I have to say something. And she's like, absolutely not. Never interfere. It doesn't help. And you'll only be punished for it. And oof, I, you know, I think a lot of us listening have had a similar, like something has happened in our lives that has said, don't say anything. And I'm going to go back again to this whole, like, my side of the line, your side of the line, like you can't be responsible for how somebody takes it. And if you feel it, like if you really like get centered and quiet with yourself and realize like, I can't exist if I don't say something, then you need to say it. And, and how they react um, is, is, is really on them. And I love Higgins response. And I don't know if it's specifically here in this scene or if it's somewhere else, but he says, I think if you care about someone, you have to keep trying. And I'll tell you what, I am the little engine that could when it comes to stuff like that. I'm like, you know, my dad raised me with this phrase that at the end of the day, all you can do is all you can do. And when you've done that, that's all you can do. And I thought that was so goofy. So I, I, I go back to that. That's kind of my filter is, um, have I done all I can do? Can, is there, yeah. is there more that I can do? Um, yeah. I love so. that. I love that. And it is hard. I mean, I also have like intense empathy for like where that line is can be really hard. Like what, what's appropriate to say about somebody else's relationship. That's hard. Yeah. Like that's tough. That's a tough conversation to have. And, you know, can be a friendship ender can absolutely yeah. be. Um, so it's, it's, you know, have empathy for how hard it is, but I really like Higgins ad there. Cause I do think that's true. Like if it's yeah. important, like, and, and this is not a one-time thing, you know, they've got a year of this relationship with beard and Jane to know, like, this is not okay. Like this is a weird relationship and yeah. you know, his heart's in the right place. And he does eventually give him the feedback, which I also really love that scene. That's at the very end where he, uh, he says, you know, you're a great man, but does Jane make you greater? And Beard's response to it is really sweet. He says, I hear you. I get it. We will never speak of this again. (laughs) You know, like I think he, he understands it and also isn't ready to deal with it. So he handles, ends up handling that conversation really, really well. Um, And then Jane like creepily appears out of nowhere at the end of that scene. She's so weird. She's She's so so weird. So creepy. And there's that whole thing. I meant to look it up, but I didn't. Um, where where um Rebecca is talking to Higgins about her and she's like, she's harmless. It kind of reminds me of a drunk Renee Zellweger playing running charades. And <laughs> and Higgins is like, what's running charades? And Rebecca's like offended. She's like, what's running charades? But they don't tell you what running <laughs> no, charades is. I don't know. I kind of so wanted to know that too. I remember. We, that we will, if we find we that out, we will put a link in the show notes for you to uh find out what running charades is because I And why was- is it a Renee Zellweger thing? Like I I gotta get the connection to that too. Like yeah. why is it? Would she be bad at it? Would she be really good at it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a funny joke. Oh, good stuff. Well, before we dig into this little piece about uh, Ted here at the end, I also just, I think a couple of funny things that happen in this scene are, uh, you know, they have a diamond dogs uh, around this whole idea with beard and Roy's in the room and they're like, and he's like, diamond dogs mount up. And, and Roy's like, I'm out. And he just, you know, he walks out and they have the thing. And at the end they, which if you've heard on our episodes, this, this season, we have some, some barking dogs. And uh, so when they're done, they're like, uh, are we adjourned? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, Rrr. back in, he goes, the, stu- <laughs> the stupid barking means it's over. Right. 
<laughs> I know. I love that so much. And they're like, yes, 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 it's it does. done. And my other favorite one, I think this was a good one. I think you brought this up originally was what Jamie says to Beard after he talks about <laughs> being coached. <laughs> so, so much. So, he goes into Beard. Yeah. Jamie goes into Beard and is like, Roy won't coach me. I need, um, I need help. Like, why won't he coach me? And Beard just like sits there and Jamie goes, <laughs> Jamie goes, I don't know how to talk to you. And Beard goes, then it's working. Just so matter of fact. Just so like quiet. And then Jamie ends up just leaving. Like it's just the funniest scene because oh beer just kills me. He just kills me. That like quiet thing he does of just like completely disarming people. Oh and it's God. interesting, you know, moving it, moving it over to Ted, because Ted has, you know, Ted obviously has some very strong feelings about saying things, which I think is interesting because I think that also feeds into the the whole therapy thing, right? Like yeah. kind of just let, let, let sleeping dogs lie, let it, right? Because yeah. Ted says to Higgins, I know I didn't say anything. And, and because, you know, Higgins is offended that nobody came to his, to his uh, rescue or came to support him. And Higgins says, and why is that? And he's like, because you should never say anything. <laughs> and then he's like, I just think it's bad business to get up in anyone else's business. And uh, man, yeah. I again, I think there are an awful lot of us who are out there who just, you know, because we're afraid to micromanage or step into our, our power or whatever we want to call it, our, our personality, our, our gifts and talents, we just don't do anything. And, and I would say that's, that's just as harmful. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think it's also like, I, I do think there's like a, and we've talked about this before. I, I think there's a deep skill gap for people to give kind feedback, like to be able to do feedback in a way that doesn't damage the relationship. That's mm -hmm. hard. Like that mm -hmm. is difficult and it's a skill mm -hmm. and it can be learned just like any other skill. hundred percent can be learned. Yes. Yeah. And I think if, if that is a pain point for you, that's work that you need to do. Like there's yeah. work to be done there because the, the path to success for people who can do that well, I mean, the stats on that are crazy. You're just yeah. so much more effective as a leader. If you can do that. Well, there's a, there's a lot. And then, then finally, you know, it hits, it hits good old Ted uh, has, this is his second panic attack, right? Second or third, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the, the ear ringing sound again. And yeah. uh, it is kind of like, I'm not making fun of the fact that Ted had a had a nervous breakdown and ran off the field, but the Chris and Arlo, the oh that the, oh gosh, that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> the announcers for the for the football match, Chris says, "I know that run." You know, as as Ted is trying as as quickly as he can to get off the field, he goes, "That's the run of a man who just ate a bad fish pie." And Arlo goes, "Chris, is there a good fish pie?" <laughs> I don't even know what fish pie is, but I it sounds either. disgusting. It sounds and I gotta go. I gotta go with Arlo on that one. Like, uh, yeah. you know, thank you. I think as we bring this particular episode home, we need to uh, look at Rebecca with Ted yeah. and what she does when the panic attack happens. Like Rebecca notices Ted leave and like instantly goes and looks for him. Like she recognizes like something is going on with him and goes to look at, goes to look for him. Can't find him. She finds his coat on the ground outside his office. She of course probably doesn't think to go look in Sharon's office, which is where he ends up being. But she then she calls him. Like she tries to get a hold of him on her way home yeah. and leaves him this really sweet message about, you know, I'm just worried about you. I'm here. If there's something you need, yeah. let me know. Like it's just a real heartfelt like leadership moment of first noticing something's going on. And then second, like circling back to check in. And she right. does that super effectively. And the other thing I think that's, that I appreciate about her here, which we did not see much at all in season one is that she, at the end of that call, she also mentions the fact that she's on her way home to have a tough conversation with her mom and could really use one of his pep talks, Yeah, I which I thought too. was really, really sweet of her you know, to say like, I'm checking in on you, but also here's the thing that you're great at. And I could really use that too, which again, I'm, you know, I just think we go back to over and over and over that, um, 
I, th- I think that's why Brene Brown is a bajillionaire because the story I'm telling <laughs> myself in my head, I mean, yeah. gosh, I wish I would have coined that phrase because right? we are all telling ourselves multiple versions of multiple stories that, I mean, I'm learning in my own journey that those just are not true stories, but mm-hmm. I'm, for whatever reason, the the record, the CD, the playlist, the Spotify, whatever, he just is on repeat, right? Yeah, I so relatable. And just the fact that like, there's so much more awareness now around that, that that is happening. Yes. We were just having this conversation, my husband and I, because that's something we're trying to teach to our 12 year old, Mm -hmm. like that. Sometimes your brain is going to tell you things that just aren't true. Like, and and you have to like pull back and question that and look for people to verify. And, you know, like it, it, it's, it's important. And I don't ever remember. I think I heard about that for the first time when I was like 30, like the power of that information when people are young, like, come on, like that has to be such a game changer. I just think we know so much more about that than we used to. hundred percent agree with that. And the world's a better place for it. Oh, so much of a better place. And I so wish. Yeah. I mean, I think we all look back and like, gosh, if I had only known, I think that's why we both do what we do, right? We want to help people with the help that we didn't get when we were in their space. I think that's why both of us have, have done what we do, which I think is very interesting. One other piece that I just want to hit on before we head out as great as Rebecca is becoming and all the things that she's doing, we still all have our numbing out things and she gets home and realizes that mom has gone back to dad because he bought her a Tesla. Um, just like, he's like, you know, he apologizes and says that he's sorry and buys her something really expensive, which is what happened again. And, uh, so her way of numbing out is calling her hookup man and says, you know, my parents are out of town, come on over basically. Yeah. And, um, so listen, it, it happens to all of us. And, um, I've been encouraged in my own therapy journey to just take a look at like, are there other options available? It's not saying that like, you shouldn't do that because, you know, don't shit on people, which I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of. Yeah. Um, but is that. Is that decision, is that is that action that you're undertaking? Is that is that the best? And and only really you can answer that. And yeah, uh, absolutely. And notice, situation. you know, and that right. starts with noticing the behavior to start with, like that you're doing yes. that. And is it serving you or not? Yes. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting too. And I love the point that I think we all have that in some way. Like oh. everybody has some sort of coping mechanism like that that. Yeah. Again, you just have to examine your relationship with. And some of it can be, you know, by the world's eyes can be very like, it can be great. Like, oh, I work out for stress. Well, you may work out three times a day and your body is slowly deteriorating underneath all the weight of that. Or, you know, I know people who are like, well, I, you know, I binge eat, but then I can go like work out and do whatever it is that I want. It's like, well, neither one of those are really healthy choices that we're making or, you know, I, uh, our good friend, Rachel Pritz talks about who's now soberish coach Rach yeah. talks about, you know, having a bottle of wine to c- yeah. cope with the day. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I have a lot of people in my life who maybe it's not the bottle, but it's a couple glasses every day. And is that really serving yeah. you? And I think, I think your, your comment is a good one. Um, noticing the behavior, yeah. how is it serving you? And, and, Again, the awareness and the digging, digging into that, and and maybe it would maybe it would be who you to talk to somebody about what that is. Um, and I love the fact that in therapy, my you know Michael, who you all met on a previous episode, he doesn't say like, well, I think that's a bad idea. He's in, there's it's just a question. How do you feel yeah. about that? Yeah, was, you feel like that was. He will offer up other alternatives. Maybe next time you could consider leaning into X, Y, or Z, and and puts it right back in front of me to make the choices right. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. that's where growth happens when you have to make those choices, when you are aware that those behaviors are happening. And that when you have people who are willing to hold up a mirror and show you that, that mirror mm-hmm. too. And that's where people like a therapist, a coach, a somebody can be real, real, real helpful. So, okay. With that, I think we should get to our guest. I think we should. Are you leading people or dream of one day leading people? What are you doing to grow your leadership skills right now? Crisis Proof Leadership, where opportunity meets preparation, 
guides leaders through the seven principles of prepared leadership and helps them focus on the actions that will get them results, even during times of crisis. The book is easy to read and filled with activities and tools that will help you put what you learn into action. Grab a copy today, wherever you buy books. And I can personally endorse this because I've read it and it's one of the most practical books on leadership that I've ever read. Go get one today. Well, so as we talk about strengths and the importance of finding those people, we couldn't think of a better person to be our guest today than Jody Curtis. And we are so excited to have her. We're going to have Jody tell you about all the things that she does and where you can find her. So, Jody, introduce uh, yourself to our listeners. Thank you, Beth and Jason, for having me on your show. I am the owner of Purple Inc., an HR consulting firm based in the Indianapolis area. And I've been in HR for a long time, but kind of an interesting fact about me is I am a CPA by trade. I did not know that. I just learned that recently. And I was like, what? That is mind blowing, honestly, knowing you. I know, right? People who know me now that when I tell that didn't know me when I was a practicing CPA just find that hilarious that that me. I find some hilarity in that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was an, I started my career right out of college in a CPA firm and worked nine years as an auditor and then switched internally with the same firm into really first an operations role and then later HR. And then I've spent the majority of my career in HR, which is where I found my true passion and my people. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and for those of you listening, I when I met Jody for the first time, probably about five years ago, um, it was the at the HR Indiana Sherm uh, convention, conference, whatever you want to call it. And I, I tell people who don't know Jody, I say, if you don't know Jody, look for her at the HR Indiana convention. She's like the mayor of, of HR Indiana. <laughs> she's like, she's like, if there were babies there, she would be kissing them, but yeah. she is shaking hands and hugging. And, uh, I cannot imagine your energy and joy poweredness in a CPA firm that just does not compute with me. And I'm finding a lot of comic relief just thinking about you and being an auditor. Good what I will say, Lord. like, here's, let me give you like a real thing that happened recently with Joe. Jody and I are working on a project together. And recently we're in a meeting though, and girl pulled out a spreadsheet and started doing formulas on the fly. And I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Now I see wow. it. I did not know that was yeah. in there, Jody. Until yeah, like, I still I have like, this teeny tiny piece <laughs> in the back of my brain that pulls out the counting numbers. <laughs> yes, it was Form- awesome. <laughs> I always tell people I loved my role as an auditor. I was constantly meeting new people, was yeah, constantly working with that. a wide range of businesses. I was training people. I started recruiting early on. I loved everything about it except for the accounting. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of a problem. (laughs) I feel like there might be a strength story there too, Jody. Like, you know, like that. I I feel like that journey that you were on is probably like you uncovering what really lit you up. Yes. Yes, it did. Like I was happy there. And I have you know, I, my top five strengths, I have maximizer, arranger, positivity, strategic, and futuristic. So my maximizer wow. was on fire when I could make the auditor or audit team more efficient or help a client do something more efficiently. And my arranger was working when I could build the right team to serve the particular client. And yeah. I, my positivity though, this was kind of a problem. My all, my positivity always said that, yes, the balance sheet is going to balance and then <laughs> I'm sure it's all okay. It's all going to be fine. I'm sure it's all correct. <laughs> Oof. Maybe it was not always. Yeah. I love that. So you just threw out your strengths, unpack that a little bit. So you're, you're a certified professional in strengths finder, which is what you're talking about. So um, tell us more about that tool and, and what does it mean to know those strengths? 
Yeah. So I actually learned my strengths. I mean, actually took the assessment in the early to mid 2000s. Um, And I took it and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then like many assessments, we put them away and don't think about them again. And then several years later, I read Marcus Buckingham's first break all the rules. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is magical to me. Mm -hmm. And so I got really excited about it again and decided to get certified in the process. And I love, I really enjoy all assessments. I think many HR people do because it just creates so much self-awareness about Mm -hmm. ourselves. I do have to laugh sometimes when people say like, oh my gosh, it hit the nail on the head for me. It's exactly (laughs) what it is. And I always say like, well, you know, you did fill it out. (laughs) It should be fairly accurate. Yeah. No matter what assessment it is, like, of course it hit you on that. Ima- Imagine that, that it was right for you. That's, that's so crazy. Yeah. But it did just give me that, that self-awareness of first of all, of just myself, right? Why am I doing things the way I'm doing? Why am I focused on making things better? Why am I a glass, um, a glass full kind of person, mm-hmm. right? And so it just put terms on that for me. It, it named it for me to know that's what I was. And then, but then of course the real goal, Gallup talks about this name it, claim it, aim it. Mm-hmm. By naming it, you take the assessment. By claiming it, you're like, okay, I get it. I see it. I I see it working in my life. I can look back yesterday and say, that's why I made that comment because I was using my positivity or whatever. But the real key is to say, how will I use this strength tomorrow? Mm -hmm. How will Mm -hmm. I be better at my job, better as a mom, better as a a business owner, better as what by using some of those strengths. And then of course, the real power comes when you start to understand the strengths of other people, right? And have a better awareness of what drives them and what they're doing. And um, one of my favorite stories that, uh, and I mean, it's a real story, not a makeup story, but <laughs> was the fir- very first person I hired at Purple Ink back in, this would have been about 2014. And I didn't know her strengths at the time, but it was just the two of us for a a year or so. And I was like my normal self. And I would think like, Ooh, I want to do this and I'm excited and I want to make it happen tomorrow. (laughs) Catherine on my team would say like, well, let's think about this. And, you know, what if this happened? And what if this happened? And Mm -hmm. maybe we should wait. And I was like, what a Debbie Downer. <laughs> I was so excited about that. But of course we would, well, sometimes I would move ahead anyway, but sometimes I would listen to her and then we would walk through it and we would make a better plan and we yeah. address those obstacles. Well, shortly after that, I really, you know, was getting connected to my strengths and I realized that, that Catherine had deliberative as her number one strength. And that, oh gosh. that's exactly what she was doing for me. And I loved it. And I became, I, I, I like came to so respect that part of her of which I had zero deliberative. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, boom, let's go. And I needed to be surrounded by people. My, the next hire I had had discipline and consistency and her strengths. And I'm like, okay, I need this in my life because yeah. I don't have those either. So yeah, those, are all in the, those are all in the thirties for me, by the way, I just pulled yeah. up my strengths finder thing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm bad. like, I'm like, yep, I can. Yep. 31 <clears throat> restorative, 32 deliberative, 34 consistency. Yep. 30 oh, yeah. discipline. Yep. 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 Oh, our mind, right. Jason. Those yeah. are in the and Beth and Beth is sitting there going, yeah, this is my surprised face. <laughs> <laughs> Beth is not surprised by that. However, you know what I love about what you said though, Jody, is I think the magic of, of knowing your strengths, especially as a leader is exactly what you said. It's, it's understanding 
who you are, what you bring to the table. And instead of like, I I think the guilt trip that can be there for leaders around, gosh, you know, I've got discipline is 34. What do I do with that? Like I should have more discipline. I suck because I'm not disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe you even feel shame about that, but like shifting the lens uh, on that too. I don't have that. So let me surround myself with people who do and learn to appreciate what that brings to my life. That's Mm -hmm. where the magic is of this tool so that it becomes something that you can use to be really intentional about why you're doing what you're doing right every day. Like that's the magic of it. Such a fun tool. You know, I also say, I mean, although I love working with companies and helping them discover their strengths and build stronger teams, I will say that maybe one of the biggest ahas for me early on was uh, the impact it made on me as a mother. My mm. my kids were in high school at the time or even older when I first got certified. So they were old enough to take it. And it was just such a wow for me to understand how, for example, when I I mentioned that futuristic is one of mine and my youngest son has adaptability. So of course, futuristic is about always looking ahead and adaptability is being present in the moment. So when he was a junior in high school, I was saying like, okay, where do you think you want to go to college? Let's start visiting. Let's start planning. Let's start thinking about. And he was like, um, like, I just want to get through prom, you know, or I want to get through my math test or whatever. And I was like, you got to think ahead. You got to plan ahead. We always had to be, and we were butting heads a lot during that time. And then I had him take the assessment and I was like, Kyle, I am just, I'm so sorry that good for you. We could put a name to it. Yeah. Also, it wasn't just me appreciating his adaptability. It was him appreciating my futuristic, mm-hmm. right? So we got through his senior year um, much better by at least appreciating that about each other. Yeah, I love that so much. I think it really works wonders in marriages too. Like yes. understanding oh, yeah. those like yes. top yeah. qualities. That's a yes. you know, that's a game changer in marriages. And right. I find it interesting, Jody, because I Jody and I I shared a small world story uh, with Jody. Uh, I think at the beginning of COVID, we were in the car and my son was playing music of a guy. He's like, dad, you got to listen to this guy. He used to be a counselor at this camp where my son had been for his first year, loved the camp, loved all this. He's like, this guy was a counselor. And he tells me the name and he's like, he's like, yeah, his name's Kyle. And, and, uh, and, and he said his last, he's like, his name's Kyle Curtis. And I was like, I think I remember Jody talking about a kid that she has. And so, so I start, you know, I went and stalked your Facebook page, Jody, to like before I called you. And I'm like, holy crap, it's Jody's kid. And so I called her and I said, I just want you to know, and please share this with Kyle, that we were rocking out to Kyle's music on the way home today. And I, when I told my son that I know Kyle's mom, he was like, no way. Cause Kyle's like rock star status for him. And I, you know, to bring it full circle, I did not know what Kyle's strengths were, but the fact that he is a musician and the type of music that he plays, and it it is no surprise that adaptability, because you have to be adaptable as a musician. And I just think that that is so cool to see how those strengths come to like, you know, I think we go after things that have our strengths and that our strengths are drawn to us from the things that we do. And it's just... I, and I love the fact because what you were saying to Kyle is like, we got to do this. We got to do this. And, and Kyle's like, I just want to get to this next thing. And I think there are so many people and probably some listening today who go, man, I just don't fit into that system of like, yeah, let's go visit colleges my junior year. Like what? Right. May like maybe my senior year, even if then maybe the summer right. before, because I don't even like, let, let me just get graduated and then I'll figure that out. And I think, yeah. Beth, I think you said it like the shame that comes from not like not fitting in. And I just I had a boss who very much embraced this whole strength thing. And when I was beating myself up for stuff that I wasn't good at, like all the stuff in the executing space, she goes, Jason, I know that that's not you. And here's the deal. We're going to build a team 
where you don't have to do that because you're not good at it. <laughs> but you're yeah. really good at this other stuff that we have people on the team that they're not good at at all. And that's so we want you doing your thing and, and them doing their thing. So all of this is leading up to a question, too, that I have, Jody. What do you think in your experience and working with leaders and organizations, what is the thing that scares leaders most about really unleashing and embracing this idea of strengths? Because I think so often we're like, you got to, this is the box I have for you and you have to fit in that box. And if you don't have that fit in that box, we're going to put you on a, uh, what do we call those? The performance plan. Yeah. The performance plan and IPP, the individual performance plan. And basically that means you're probably on your way out the door. Yeah. Um, Great question. And one thing I tell people a lot, uh, just when introducing the concept of strengths is that the goal, as I mentioned, the name, claim it, aim it, the goal is to understand how we can use our strengths to do better tomorrow. Or I sometimes say that as do more of what you do best, right? Mm. The goal is to do more of using our strengths. Well, I think some leaders get a bit scared off about that to say like, well, I have, um, you know, I have a great accountant and they have woo. And so if you're telling them to use their woo more and I need them to be heads down on spreadsheets and general ledgers, um, that's not going to work. So I don't want you screwing up my system here. <laughs> they're a great accountant, right? So it's, but it's, we can all find ways to use our strengths in every role we have. Mm -hmm. We just have to figure out what that is. And that's that concept of aiming it. I also think people, um, you know, some people get worried, I think, in any assessment about being labeled Mm -hmm. as someone who has a particular strength or like, oh, I have woo. Well, they'll think, that I'm going to be the one that has to have be out in front of big groups of people all the time. And I don't really want to do that with this group of people or that or in this situation or that situation. And um, so, you know, there's always that fear of being labeled. I tell you a particular story I had with a group. This actually was one of my very first groups that I trained. It was uh, with a company they had about say 12 or 15 people in the room. And we were starting say at nine o'clock and we had scheduled this weeks ahead of time. And I came in, I was in the room getting set up. The president was in the room. um, And, but I could tell he was a little bit nervous about it. And so literally like at eight 55, he says, Jody, can I talk to you out in the hallway? And I said, sure. And I, I went out and he said, I, I know this is last minute, but I'm, I'm just not sure about this. And I said, why? And he said, you know, I've been the owner of this business for over 20 years and I don't have any strategic, none of my top five strengths are on strategy. Oh, wow. And I just don't want my team to see that about me, that mm. not strategic. And I was like, oh my gosh, I said, But look at the team grid, right? You have built a team Mm -hmm. of people who are strong in in strategic areas. And I said, your like superpower is the influencing areas where you're able, that's, it was a sales organization abroad, right? (laughs) Kind of important. Yeah. Right. And I said, we can't be all things to all people. And the fact that even subconsciously he had done that, he had hired people without knowing that their superpower was in strategy. Um, He had built the right team and he was like, oh, Okay, like I thought every leader would have to have their oh, drinks in strategic. Yeah. And I'm like, and that that was like, oh my gosh, I never even thought about yeah. that. Right. So. Yeah, and I do think there is this like, you know, if I can relate to that too, because I one of my top strengths is empathy. Sometimes it even pops as number one for me. And I can't tell you how many times in corporate I had people say, 
um, first of all, big, big trigger for me as a woman, <laughs> I had yeah. people say to me, you're too sensitive. Right. Like you take uh, things too yeah. um, personally, like you get too fired up sometimes when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I had that, you know, I have feedback around that that was bad. Like I shouldn't yeah. show up that way. Teams that I've led, they love that about me. Right. <laughs> they love that I will get fired up for them. Um, yeah. I don't do it uh, unprofessionally. I don't do it um, super frequently. <laughs> like it's not, but you know, we can't box people into this thing that leadership can only be this one thing. It can look right. yes. as different as there are people. <laughs> And by the same token, you know, many times now I've taught Clifton strengths to other CPA firms. And sometimes people think like, I'm, you know, I'm a tax person who's worked here for seven years and I love my job, but I don't have analytical. Yeah. You know, I don't either. And I was, a, <laughs> maybe that's where I got out. <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't mean that person can't be analytical, but they can use some other strengths to figure out how to do spreadsheets or yeah. look at ratios or whatever. Yeah, I you know I think that's a really good point because you know I'm like I said I have mine pulled up. I'm looking at you know the thirty the grid of thirty four that's here, and I do a similar feedback thing where I have people give four positive words in one area of opportunity from five different people and from themselves. And inevitably, where's the first place they go to look when they get it back? The negative word, the negative, I'm putting that in air quotes. Right. Right. And I think so many people will look at this and they look, they go right to number 34 Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, well, I suck because I don't have, you know, I don't have number 30, whatever. And 34 is different for probably every person taking it. Right. Right. But like, I don't have 34, so I'm terrible. Or I, you know, I don't have any of, I'm in the thirties and all of these things and, and therefore I'm terrible. And I loved what you just said, that it doesn't mean that we're not capable of having those things. It doesn't mean that we're not capable of stepping into a role and performing things that require that. But over a long period of time, we're not going to find joy. We're not going to be filled up. We're not going to be as effective as other people who have it as one, two, three, or four, or whatever the numbers we want to assign to that. And that's where I think, oh, I just, I, I, I find so many managers and people that are put in leadership positions who never get trained on this stuff. And they've got that box mentality. And 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 then and then we wind up shaming the crap out of people because they <laughs> yeah. don't they don't have what it is that we think they need. And we've you know, I'm saying we as like these manager people who we we don't have any we have no training on how to really lead. We're still micromanaging because that's what we did in our old jobs. And oh, I just think it's so important to whenever we do, I'm sh- I'm sure that the two of you do too, and maybe you could talk about that a little bit. But I think it's really important whenever you do an assessment like this. I know I used to do this when I led DISC. You are not your letter, right? Mm-hmm. You are so much more than your letter. You're not your number one strength. You're not your fight. You are a combination of all of these. And, and right. by the way, one is not better than the other. Right. So how do you all, what do you all say when you do that sort of stuff? And how do you approach that um, and, and keep people from jumping to that conclusion that I am my top three or whatever? Mm-hmm. You said it well, Jason, of, of some the way that works for people, that they get nervous about it. They mm-hmm. don't like it. The Gallup strengths are supposed to be all neutral even, but there uh-huh. are some words uh, and they're different words for different people who say like, ooh, I wish I didn't have that strength or ooh, mm-hmm. that's a horrible strength. Oh, interesting. Sometimes is one that people are like, oh, I don't want to be perceived as that, you know, I'm always competing against them or significant sometimes people or command or, or like woo. Oh, I wish I had woo, right? Well, there's there's a what Gallup calls a uh, like a shadow side to all mm-hmm. of the, the shadow side. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. And it doesn't matter what. It is. So positivity, I mentioned, was one of mine. And Beth, I think, don't you have positivity? I don't. It's got, it's probably in my top 10. I've never done my full 34. Oh, I need to do that at some point. 
Well, you know, I think a lot of people think like, well, what could be wrong with positivity? Like, don't we all want to be around positive people? Well, I can be so positive that I'm super naive, right? Going back to my accounting story, right? That I always thought like, well, I'm sure the balance sheet is right. <laughs> like, why would it be wrong? <laughs> you know, when I'm interviewing someone and they say, oh, I love detail work. And I'm like, great, because I need a detailed person. And then I'm finding out like, no, they're not good at details, right? Yeah. Um, but I, so I can be really naive of the, the point of being so positive that I'm not uh, looking at the obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes yeah. I put my keys on my wheel when I go into the gym and people are like, oh, I can't believe you put your keys on your wheel. And um, I say like, well, you know, I love in Carmel. Nobody's going to steal my car, right? But really that's stupid. Stupid of me. So that's so I funny. Like I like ha- that about you. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> like I have I a, like uh, the inherent trust that's there. Yep. I like it. <laughs> My wife is the same way, and we have some we have some friends that are definitely the uh, the devils that were like, what if, what if, what if, what if? And so every time she does something like that and comes out, she goes, and what if it doesn't happen? Then I just get right back. I just grab my keys and get right back I in my car. Move on with my life. It's all. And what you fun. said, Jody, reminds me of a one of my certified coaches who is a seven on the Enneagram, who you know has a lot of the I think probably the orange and blue pieces of uh, Strengths Finder, and she made she's a graphic artist, and she made a mug for herself that said, um, "Optimistic to the point of stupidity." Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, yep, yeah. yep, me, yeah. Me. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to, it'll be better. How do you know? I, it, it just will, because it, it, I mean, it's going to get, maybe it'll get worse for a while, but it'll get better. How do you know? Cause it will. Yeah. And how do you, because it will. And yeah. guess what? It does eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I get that too. I feel that. And, and I, that, that phrase that's in the show in last episode about the rom communism thing, yes. of, it's all going to work out in the end. It, that is it, how yeah. I feel about everything. It's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. Yep. I can obsess about it or I can yeah, just yeah. let go and let it be <laughs> like, that right. is my philosophy. I don't know if that's positivity or not, but <laughs> I, think the, I think the Beatles were onto <laughs> something back in the day. Yeah, with let like, it be. <laughs> I've spent right. time in my life, you know, obsessing over things that you know, just aren't worth the time. And I just, as I get older, the more and more I'm like, no, I'm just not going to, it'll be what it's going to be. Yeah. I think one of the most fascinating things about strengths is that, and um, Jason, you mentioned this earlier about our tendency is to look at our bottom, Mm -hmm. like our, our bottom 35 and think that's what we're worst at when actually we can be the best and worst of our top five. Ooh, that's good. Oh, that's right? real good, Jody. Really, our biggest, and Gallup doesn't like to use the word weakness, but sure. our greatest weaknesses can actually be our top five strengths. So the positivity, right? A lot of yeah. days that works out really well for me, but it can lead to stupidity for me. Mm-hmm. My maximizer is bringing out the best in others or in processes. So I'm, that sounds like a beautiful strength. And I think it is, but I can also be critical of others because, you know, like speaking to me, Jody, I could see Jason, I want to help you. And I have 79 things that you could do. (laughs) To be better, like I took notes (laughs) and I came up with 45 things, right? My intention of my maximizer is I do want to help you. I want to bring out the best, but I can come across as super critical in doing it. So I really have to be careful with that. Oof. You just, I, I just, I just had a flashback to about three weeks ago when I was at a keynote and I made a, I made a comment about somebody who had presented to the person who was organizing things and I'm realizing it. I thought I thought in the moment that I I was really softening it, but upon reflection of what you just said, I'm like, I don't think I did actually, damn it. Yeah. 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 It's easy and to slip into those things, right? Yeah. It is. And it also works on ourselves, right? I can be too critical about myself. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. 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 I love that. I think the one of mine that I 
have like I see the most shadow side in is I have developer in my top five, which and sounds beautiful, right? It, which right, great. But again, I can want growth for others more than they want it for themselves. Yeah, which is not Reach an attractive that. feature. Like, no, it's not. That's not fun for other no. humans. <laughs> you know, yeah. the human on the other side of that is yeah. not like, for instance, my husband is not always thrilled about the <laughs> development work. You know, like that's the same. What? I know it's well, weird. Have your husband talked to my husband about the maximizing? <laughs> I feel like there might be some correlation between those two because I see that. My see husband that will sometimes, sometimes say to me, like, I'm not going to take offense to that because I know it's your maximizer. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's awesome. a healthy marriage right there. That's Debbie. super that's healthy. Awesome. And let's just say it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> yeah. But occasionally. Yeah. Hey, if you get that occasionally in a marriage, you're winning like that, especially if it's like mid fight winning. Like, yeah, yeah. Huge, huge win. So that is a right. Like that's how our understanding of other people's strengths can yes. make teams stronger. Yes. And way power. It is when we can kind of call that out in people like, yeah. thank you for being deliberative because yes. I want to jump into this too quickly. And I appreciate your deliberative, your empathy, your restorativeness, whatever it yeah. is in you, because it's not my go-to. Yeah. And I, th- that is probably my favorite thing about the tool as well. One of the things that I have done kind of accidentally in the past, but super intentionally now is if there was one strength that I wish I had for me, it's woo. Like I, I think a lot of people, I have woo envy. I would really like to have that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have cultivated relationships with woo my whole life. Like people who have really high woo, like for yeah, instance, my colleague, Jason four. Barnaby yeah, and um, <laughs> my best friend, Nathan, who's a podcast listener. Hey, Nene. Um, he has very high woo. Um, we were friends in college. I still remember <laughs> like vividly. You could not walk through Ball State with Nathan because you would run in. Like, first, you would stop yep. and talk to every human. Yep. And second, everybody knew it. Like, but it was great for me as someone who doesn't have that because I would stand next to him and get to meet all these really fun people. Right. I love that. I Jody, love what's to your go woo? to a networking events with Jason or Nate. That's my fave. Mine's number seven. So it's up there for me, too. Interesting. And I- you know, I could tell you a story about every single strength, but my favorite woo story is my, um, actually all three of my kids have relater in their top five Mm. and none of them have woo even in their top 10. But so when my kids were young and they would have birthday parties, I would every single time say, we're going to invite the whole class. Um, it's a relator's worst nightmare. Yes. And I, but I was all about, let's have a big party. Let's have a big crowd. Let's have all the kids here. And my middle son who really um, was the most, maybe most obvious relator every single year would tell me that um, he just wanted to have a few friends over and yep. do something special. And I was like, oh no, Kip, we can't invite the whole class. We gotta, and I would like berate him about inviting mm-hmm. everyone. And yet now, so when he was in high school and I realized he was relater, I was like, oh, like what was I doing to my child? Yeah. You know? so, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I what that. I think is really important and I hope, that if you are in a leadership position that you are hearing what we are saying, because what has, what has come from all of these things and what I love, like Jody's example of the marriage, is that you start to find a common language with each other. And right. you then say, and this has happened with me in my marriage. We've talked about it on here with the Enneagram. My wife and I are are big Enneagram believers. So now I, when she, when I'm doing something or she's doing something, uh, we're like, hey, it's not because you're being a jerk or you want to hurt my feelings. Like it's because like this is who you are in your DNA. And yeah. and as long as I because if I don't know that, what happens is I take it personally. Yeah. And when I take it personally, I start to build a story. And when I start to build a story, 
I don't look for, I look for things that agree with that story. I don't look for things that disagree with that story. And I, and I go down and I think we've all worked with clients. I'm sure who have told themselves a story who have gotten to a place where it's just simply not true, but we've got communication issues. We've got team synergy issues. We've got, uh, working together issues that simply have happened because we don't under we don't have an understanding of ourselves and we don't have an understanding of the other people and that's what i love about tools like strengths and so if you you are a leader listening and your organization doesn't do something like this doesn't have to be strengths finder we love strengths finder but you need to find something to bring into your organization and help you understand yourself and your people better it, i mean the 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 almost immediate addition to the bottom line because of productivity, engagement, and better communication will blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an incredibly tangible outcome. No, step off my soapbox. I love it. I say amen to my Ted talk. I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm leaving the church of Jason Barnaby and I'm saying (laughs) amen. Like I'm, I'm hallelujah. That's right. That's right. So Jody, before um, we run out of time, I, I want to make sure that we um, let people know how to find you. So yes. if, if somebody wants to connect with you to learn more, what's the best spot to do that, Jody? Yeah. So the probably easiest ways to find me on LinkedIn, my name is a bit unusual. It is spelled J-O-D-E-E. Uh, Curtis. So you can reach out to me there. You can find me on our website at purpleinklc.com. And I also co-host a podcast called Joy Powered. And you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. I've had the fortunate uh, event of being a guest on said podcast Aww. at the beginning of oh, my journey. One day yeah. I'm going to be on Jody's podcast. That's one of my bucket lists. Dream, dream a little dream. Dream a little right. dream. I'm going to put yeah. that on my 2023 bucket list. Ah, girl, let's, board. Take, let's go for 2022. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. That makes me happy. <laughs> Boom. All right, Jody. we can't thank you enough for um, spending yeah. some time with us today. So I'm much. sure our listeners have been uh, glad to go to the school of Jody for a little bit today. Yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, we appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thanks a I- lot. If you feel like you've lost your fire, especially during the great resignation in the wake of a global pandemic, you're not alone. People are rethinking life choices and life paths like never before. Lucky for you, it's not a road you have to walk alone. Igniting the Firestarter Within chronicles Jason Barnaby's and several other leaders' journeys, from corporate professional to solopreneur. This book will help you find your fire, fan the flame, and tend your tribe as you work to uncover the real you. Want to accelerate your results? Check out 30 Days to Blaze, a 30-day practical step-by-step guide to finding and feeding the fire inside of all of us. You can get both on Amazon.com. Thanks for joining us for the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the Diamond Dogs podcast or wherever you like to listen.